can we agree that if uh, we have a 3v3 bas- basketball tournament, that Flight Mike is going to be our enforcer? <laughs> I think it would happen accidentally, honestly. <laughs> I mean, this this man throws guys through the window. I know. <laughs> with no problems. So long as we celebrate at Papa Do's after the dub. Yeah. Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, that's I a low blow. Hey, that's a low blow. <laughs> Bro, I love Papados. Like, I, I used to go there as a kid. Their, their fries were fire. What's up, guys? And welcome to the Laced Up Podcast. I am here with Flight Mike. Get like Coop. What's going on, guys? And I am Mike Corzemba. And today, guys, I'm very excited to talk about the Hawks. I'm very excited to talk about the Sixers because I have a question for you. Do you think Trey Young is taking a leap before our eyes against the Sixers? Do you think that he is ascending into star slash superstar status? Status? I mean, the man is averaging around 28 points and 11 assists per game against the top seed in the East right now as what, a 22 year old? Like, this is kind of crazy. Yeah, and he's doing it against a lot of people's self-proclaimed DPOY. So uh, the 76ers defense is no joke. As a matter of fact, they actually had three players on the all-defensive teams, Thibuel, Simmons, and Joel Embiid. So uh, when you look at the Atlanta Hawks, like they don't have a lot of creators. Trey Young is just kind of that guy for them. He has to do so much for that Hawks offense, and he's just been kind of killing it lately. I mean, last game, 25 points, 18 assists, 18, I mean, uh, 8 of 26, you know, not the most efficient game, but when you look at how teams are guarding him, bro, he's definitely cooking. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're at this point, you know, what what's impressive to me about Trey is the way that he's been able to adjust his game mid-game. Um, I love that he's attacking the rim with no fear and doing it in a way that's so effective for the defense against the defense because when you watch Trey play, I mean, his floater game is so filthy. Like I was watching it, I tweeted it out last night and then deleted it because it got absolutely zero likes. But (laughs) Trey Young's floater game, like he, he attacks with what I, what I like to say is an aggressive floater. Like he is coming at the rim full force and just tosses that up. And that makes it so difficult for the center to defend because you have to really full on commit to really defend, potentially block or alter a floater. And once you commit, Trey just dumps that off to Clint Capella or John Collins or whoever's down there, automatic dunk. I mean, I'm sure you guys are watching the, the game. That pass that he had to John Collins in the corner towards the end of the fourth quarter, when he drove, drew the defense okay. and then whipped it out to the corner. Okay, that that pass was a little unnecessary. He kind of had the read. It was a sick pass. It was a sick pass. I thought it was was a sick sick. pass. It was wait, you don't think it was sick? No, I thought that was super sick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a nasty pass, but he had John Collins a second earlier before he went to the layup. So it was a little unnecessary, but it was a hard pass nonetheless. Yeah, I think I mean, probably the best part about Trey Young is how unnecessary he can be. You know, like bowing at MSG, someone <laughs> spat on him. He like reveled in it. So, but just to take a little bit of a different approach here, I'm going to get a lot of hate in the comments. So if you're watching this on YouTube, go to the comment section, get ready. But We love to preface this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Every like, single yeah. time, we're like, we're going to get hate, you know? Oh, yeah, okay, for real. So, so I honestly, as re- as remarkable as Trey Young is, 
I don't think he took that big of a step forward from last year to this year. I think the defining factor that completely changed everything for the Atlanta Hawks is their executive, Travis Schlenk. This man was an absolute beast from not this year's trade deadline, but last year's trade deadline, the acquisition of Clint Capella, all the way to acquiring Danilo Gallinari, going out and poaching Bogdan Bogdanovich, a player that we all thought was going to go to the Milwaukee Bucks in the offseason. He surrounded Trey Young with like the perfect supporting cast. And ultimately, I think that yielded the ultimate reward. And bear in mind, a lot of these players are still not fully developed, in my opinion. Like Cam Reddish isn't uh, isn't developed. DeAndre Hunter still has a ways to go. Even like, you know, I, I know Chris Dunn isn't like a huge part of the team, but like the acquisition of Chris Dunn and the acquisition of Lou Williams at the trade deadline. You just named the props. weirdest names, like Kevin Herter, like, you know, let's talk about John There's Collins. a lot. I, and I wasn't <laughs> finished. I wasn't named, finished, though. I was, fin- was trying to name the guys that aren't playing. Like, let him finish. I mean, let him finish. I want to so hear this. Weird. I want to yeah. hear this. I, I mean, finish. I like I giving, this. I love showing love to the people that most people would probably ignore, you know, so Those, that's some kind of those guys are hurt. I mean, I'm talking about the roster construction currently, not necessarily like each player's individual. How about Nate McMillan? If we're going to give all those players props, let's give my guy Nate McMillan props for helping to turn around this Atlanta Hawks team. They were somewhat down bad. I don't want to say fully down bad, but they were struggling until Nate McMillan really got going. Now, Nate McMillan's known for being a sound defensive coach offensively. You know, he he gives you uh he gives you what he gives you. He doesn't give you the most uh, sometimes. But when you pair Nate McMillan, a defensive coach, with a guy like Trey Young, a playmaker like Trey Young, you can watch some magic happen. And I feel like that's what we're kind of seeing in the series. Yeah. Um. What a like what a turnaround. We've got a 20 win team last year that now has 40 that had 41 wins this year in a shortened season, which is absolutely ridiculous already. One point I do want to make on top of, you know, all the praise that we're giving the Hawks is I do want to say that I disagree with you, Mike, in the fact that Trey Young didn't improve. I think that his mentality in terms of how he approaches a basketball game has improved tremendously. I mean, the talent with Trey Young has always been there, of course. I mean, the man all-star game starter last year and averaged 30 points per game. So, you know, that's, you know, crazy, but... I think he is much more aware of getting his teammates involved, much more aware of, you know, being the type of floor general that you need to win basketball games. I mean, the fact that they just absolutely smoked the Knicks and now are tied 2-2 against the Sixers, which I don't think many people saw coming at all. Uh, like like previously mentioned, uh, like Coop said, you know, there are not there. Who is the secondary playmaker on this team? You know, this is all on Trey Young's shoulders. It's kind of like a Luka situation and taking nothing against Luka here. Uh, but Trey's got shooters. Trey's got Clint Capella. Trey's got John Collins. Trey's got options around him and he is making it work. And I've been super impressed by him. So yeah. honestly, go ahead, Coop. Uh, no, you got this one, Mike. My bad. So, so honestly, like when I look at Trey Young, his career trajectory reminds me of James Harden when he first got to Houston, at least the way he's being used and the way the Hawks are building around him. That's what I'm seeing. Maybe it's the parallel I see with Clint Capella and the shooters surrounding him. But 
I would really just take notes on what Daryl Morey did in Houston and try to integrate that with Trey. So what happens when you get a, a primary, another player that could be a primary ball handler that could run the pick and roll in addition to what Trey Young already brings to the Atlanta Hawks? That's at least in my opinion, how this team could take the next step and literally push to the top of the East as the de facto team that would challenge the Brooklyn Nets for Eastern supremacy. In Which, my I mean, opinion, we can see them play this year. Uh, go, in, my, go. No, I was just going to say, in my opinion, I think that kind of just comes down to Cam Reddish developing. I think that kind of comes down to DeAndre Hunter going to the next level. I think they have guys on the roster that are capable of taking that next step. We just kind of have to see it. This team is incredibly young. They're incredibly talented. And also, they're going to be faced with some incredibly tough decisions. What are the, yes. like, what decisions? Oh, they got a lot of talent. Um, they got a lot of talent, and they got a lot of guys that are going to have to get paid. Uh, so, I mean, like, just right off the roster right now. So, I definitely agree with I would like to see a secondary ball handler just because, I mean, you know, the this is like the load is going to get heavy for Trey, of course. I mean, he's doing great right now, he, he's killing it. Uh, I, I mean, it. It gets tough sometimes though. Like you even saw last night against Philly, like sometimes they just, you know, run a double team at him literally at half court. And they're like kind of the, the Hawks didn't really know fully what to do. There was a lot of ugly basketball at the end of that game um, on both sides. And I think, you know, we should definitely get into the Sixers in a second. However, yeah, looking at this roster, what do you do you guys think that a potential move has to be made in order to get a secondary ball handler. Because if you look, all right, you've got Trey, 22 years old, Kevin Herter, 22, Clint Capella, 26, DeAndre Hunter, 23, John Collins, 23, Cam Reddish, 21. Now, I think guys like Cam, Herter, DeAndre Hunter, they're all, you know, different players in their own right. But I'm not sure if any of those guys is going to develop into that secondary ball handler or a guy that's really going to create for their teammates that you would want. What do you guys think? Yeah, and um, I'll say that, you know, Cam Reddish has had kind of a bumpy start to his career. This might be one of those cases to where, like, Cam Reddish gets traded and then he develops into, you know, mm. that secondary ball handler, that primary ball handler, you know, whatever. I it's, also it's think a weird they thing attempted... Where they have, uh, you got it. I also think they attempted to acquire that uh, secondary ball handler when they signed Rajon Rondo and then they ultimately traded him. Yeah, which would be, I'd say, a temp temporary fix, of course, because, you know, Rondo's up there, not even getting up there at this point in age. But I do think, though, it's super impressive when we talk about Cam Reddish and, I mean, Cam Reddish with the Achilles, it's tough. DeAndre Hunter, knee injuries, also, you know, tough. Meniscus, hopefully comes back but it's super impressive that this team is doing this with deandre hunter on the bench i would like you know watching because hunter this season i mean looking at him in his second year averaged 15 points shot about almost around 49 percent from the field averaged around five rebounds per game gives you defense like this guy was an integral part of that team and other guys have just stepped up and they have guys like you know daniel gallinari playing at the three and the Sixers really just aren't making them pay. So I think that's kind of where we're going to have to see something out of this Philadelphia 76ers team. And I'd love to transition over into them because looking at the game yesterday, 
it's strange. I mean, the Sixers have been kind of an established like team at this point for a while. Like, you know, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, they've had some moving pieces. They've had definitely different guys in there, but suddenly it looked, it seemed like at the end of the game, I'm not sure what lineup they really should be running with. Like you got Furkan out there and I mean, you know, you got Seth starting. It, they, I don't know. It just didn't feel like they were making the Hawks pay for some uh, where they could. Like if you have Danilo Gall Gallinari at the small forward position, someone has to be making him pay. What was happening was, and I mean, of course, Joel Embiid had possibly the worst game of his playoff career, probably. But what was happening was, you know, they have a bad situation where they can't play guys like Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard together because that gives them two non-shooting threats. And suddenly, you know, they the Hawks are just leaving guys wide open. They're just leaving Ben wide open. The same thing is happening with, uh, is it Tybal or Thibel? Tybal? Bible. Let me let me check real quick. Someone will someone will correct you in the comments. Yeah, section. I don't want I don't want I don't want the correction. I do not. Bro, want you've been correction. saying. I remember the first time we did this. You came in and you said, "Yeah, Mike, it's not Dennis Schroeder. It's Dennis Schroeder." No, I didn't. Everyone was like, was that? "But I was just wrong." But I wait. I didn't think I told you that. I'm not gonna lie. I still don't know what it is with Dennis and his name. Like I've had people. I've said. I've said Schroeder, and I've had people correct me to Schroeder. I've had Schroeder. I've said. I've said Schroeder. People have corrected me to Schroeder. All right, it's for sure Thibel. It's for sure Thibel. Couldn't find it. So, the the same thing is happening with Thibel now. Where if you watch the game yesterday, the Hawks just basically decided we're not going to guard him. And we're going to make it so that now, you know, you got Ben Simmons on the floor with Thibel. You, you're leaving two guys wide open. Like there was a play uh, I watched where uh, Thibel went went around, went behind uh, Joel Embiid and, and no, dumped the ball off to Joel Embiid, went behind him and then cut to the corner. Gallinari fo followed him and just completely doubled Joel Embiid and just left Thibel wide open. And Thibel ended up shooting one for five from three. I mean, Philly's got to figure this out. What do you guys think the solution is? Do you think it's a little bit of an overreaction on my part, maybe? I agree with you. I think they got to make um, Gallinari play, uh, pay. But, you know, outside of making him pay, if I have a 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", point guard that I don't want to say is a generational talent, but, you know, this... Um, the super talented player, um, big time slasher, athletic, strong, and the other team is playing is playing Trey Young at the point guard position. You gotta make Trey Young pay. Like you can't just let this guy exist out there on the basketball floor. Like you have a mismatch, you have to attack it. And maybe this goes back to Doc Rivers and not making the proper adjustments. I know people are really hard on Doc. But, you know, at the same time, you know, maybe some of this stuff is warranted. I still can't believe we have not seen a team consistently attack Trey Young. And I know Ben Simmons isn't always the most aggressive player, but I think we can all agree that when Ben Simmons is playing aggressive, playing downhill and looking to attack, he's his best because he's not necessarily a threat to score the ball in any other way. Otherwise, you just got a 6'9 guy that's just passing the rock around, which is great. But, I mean, come on. You know, you're Ben Simmons. 
Yeah, he uh, really thrives in transition, and that's about it. Once you get into a half-court set, he can set screens. Everyone knows the role's going to come. So, like, it's fairly predictable what Ben Simmons is going to do. But on your point about Doc Rivers' coop, I was going to say the main reason why Doc Rivers got fired and when Doc Rivers got the job with Philadelphia, the first thing we all referenced was this man was really had a history of just very sketchy lineups that just didn't make any sense and had this complete reluctance to alter any type of lineups he had or make any adjustments that made sense. A famous story is like when he left Montrez Harrell in. We talked about this a bunch of times in the starting five against the Denver Nuggets in their playoff series last year when they blew a three to one series lead. They found out that Montrez Harrell like was uh, when Montrez Harrell was integrated into that lineup. The Los Angeles Clippers were like a minus 34 rating with him in the lineup and like a plus 10 with a Vita Zubox replacing him. And Doc Rivers knew this. The analytic was given to him and he still didn't make the adjustment. So I don't know. Whenever I watch these games, I think to myself, OK, does Doc see that he could definitely abuse Danilo Gallinari a little bit by making a minor adjustment? I don't know. It's uh, I feel like Doc is just has always been historically good at winning those regular season games. I credit him for Ben Simmons taking a huge stride defensively. All the Philadelphia 76ers taking a huge step def uh, defensively. I credit Daryl Morey for masterful roster construction, adding Danny Green and Seth Curry. But I don't know. In, in these moments, you need your head coach to really lock down on those X's and O's and make the proper adjustments if they want to pull out the series. Yeah, I mean... I mean, looking at the game, there, there are plenty of times, like you said, Coop, where Trey does end up on Ben Simmons. And the problem with Ben is, I mean, like, where where is the improvement? He is dangerous. He is as dangerous as they come in open court. Like, when Ben Simmons is running and he has a fast break, like, yeah, he's going to make plays. He is going to, you know, he could throw down. He could set up his teammates. However... In the half court, I mean, it's kind of, he gets very incredibly neutralized to the point where, again, he becomes a liability. He becomes someone that you can't play certain players with him. Like, I know I just mentioned Thibault's name 20 times. However, it's it's tough for them both to play if Thibault's not making his three. You know, like, yeah. you're, you're just leaving guys wide off. Wide, and like, can I, mean, I add something real quick, uh, Chris? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but, uh, you know, a lot of people... They hate on Russell Westbrook and they hate on the fact that he can't shoot. But Russell Westbrook is going to make himself a threat. When he's going downhill, a lot of teams are doing everything they can to wall this guy off to slow him down because you don't want him attacking. You know he wants to attack. You know he wants to get to the basket. And you know he has that threat of uh, creating for his teammates. But, you know, it just goes back to I always have felt like the best passers are also threats to score the basketball. That's why, like, you know, I like Ricky Rubio. I like Lonzo Ball. I love Lonzo Ball. Lonzo's like, um, Lonzo's amazing, right? But, you know, he's not going to reach his full potential until he's scoring the ball consistently, until he's a threat. And that's what I love so much about Trey Young. You know, you got to worry about where this guy is at at all times. And even though Ben can't shoot, you can do other things to make yourself a threat on the basketball floor. Yeah, you could attack the rim 
aggressively and consistently, which I think is, you know, one of the main problems here is that Ben Simmons, yeah, when he's in transition, he'll look to score. His mindset is not always there at all. I mean, you've got Embiid spotting up at the top of the three-point line and you've got Capella, you know, guarding him out there. The basket, there, the basket is wide open at times where you can just take your defender and drive. I don't care if it's John Collins guarding you. I don't care who is guarding you. You're Ben Simmons. You're about six foot eight. You're six foot nine. You're long. You're athletic. You shoot 70% at the rim. I'm looking at it right now on basketball reference. He shoots 70% at the rim. Fucking take the ball and drive to the basket and shoot more. Like he is absolutely neutralizing himself. You're right. The best passers are guys that you're always worried are going to score. If Ben is, you know, putting up more closer to 16 to 18 to 20 a night, as opposed to what the 11 points per game he's scoring right now in the playoffs with Embiid 14, 14. All right. 14 points per game. Yeah. With Embiid like that. I mean, that's down the stretch too. It's like you're Mike, you're right where the Sixers with the uh with their adjustments i mean Embiid's 0 for 12 he ends up 0 for 12 in the second half you know you got like figure something else out it was not his night at the end of the day also like you know you're they're going to him in the post he gets a charge they go to him at the end of the game he blows a layup you know whatever happens i don't think it got tipped but possibly but you know blows a layup they throw it to him at the top of the key in, uh, at a key possession, just pulls a three, misses. Like other guys have to be scoring. And also, I think Tobias Harris has to take some accountability as well, because literally at some point, I was like, is Tobias Harris out there? Like, what's going on? Yeah, I completely forgot Tobias was playing this series. Not going to lie right there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty tough. Like, we're tough on like the other guy, like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid get the you know the bulk of uh, the 76ers hate whenever they do poorly however last night was a perfect example the perfect opportunity for tobias harris to step up drop a cool 30 or you know whatever yeah and he didn't play bad he had 20 he had 28 to 15 he didn't play bad but you know like you said with Embiid um ailing going forward 20 they could have used another guy stepping up and like, like you said i would love tobias to be that guy Especially down, do the, especially down the stretch is what I'm yeah. saying too. Is like look to score more. Like don't, like yeah, you're like, exactly. Tobias Harris eight for fifteen. Like that's great efficiency. Shoot the ball more. Ben Simmons five for ten. Like what is going on? Why are you letting Joel Embiid shoot four for twenty? It wasn't his night. Other guys got to step up. I mean, like I, that's why I'm not even you know fully putting this on Embiid. He's hurt. You know, they're giving him the ball nonstop. Like, like, sure, he wants it. But, like, <laughs> these other guys are not taking the opportunities that are given to them. I mean, also, like, let's give – I'm going to give uh, Joel Embiid – I'm going to cut him some slack a little bit because, yeah, he went 4 for 21 on the game. Yeah, he went 0 for 12 in the second half. He only finished with – he didn't – he only finished with 18 points in the entire game. This is a man that's still dealing with uh, – and knee injury he's really doing his best you could tell that he's like running on fumes there and on top of that he's still finding ways to contribute he still grabbed 21 rebounds uh last night so yeah my my question is is it enough though if none of your stars or i don't know if we're calling tobias harris a star if none of your max contract players are showing up 
You know, like I think Tobias Harris needs to start perceiving himself as, yeah, he's not an all-star, but he's like a fringe all-star as that guy that needs to step up and be that scoring threat in addition to Joel Embiid if Joel Embiid has a knee problem and if Ben Simmons is a non-factor because the game is slow, slowed down. Yeah, and he has that potential too. I mean, in game one against Washington, Tobias had 37 points in a seven-point win. Like, you could clearly look at that and be like, Tobias was the main reason they won that game. Um, yeah, you know, to be him, fair, Washington's defense is like terrible too. But yeah, like, you're but right. The potential is there. I'm not going to If you look, that. I'm looking right now at Tobias Harris's four games this, this, um, this series. Yeah. Man is shooting 59%. And Sheesh. averaging 21 yeah. points a game. That, that tells like, me you're not shooting enough right shoot there. Shoot the ball yeah, that more. Tells me you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be shooting 59. I'm sorry. I don't Even care. towards great. the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even towards the end of the game, I, I don't know exactly the possession, but I remember Tobias had a look and he just throws it to Embiid in the post. It's like, shoot, bro. Like, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I was sure getting frustrated. It. I'm sure Embiid would love that, and you know I know Doc has um, urged Simmons to be more aggressive too. I know um, a few of Simmons' past coaches have urged Simmons to be more aggressive. Um, hopefully, in upcoming games, you know we see somebody else outside of Embiid step up. To add to what uh, Flight Mike said, man, I'm impressed Embiid's even playing, man. Like I feel yeah. bad that this dude had to go out there in the second half and do what he did, but you know, and he's playing heavy minutes, and yeah. Like previously, like Mike mentioned, you know, grabbing over 20 boards, like, like we we've said in past podcasts where if your shot isn't falling, if you could, the most important thing is making an impact on the game in other ways, which he certainly does. I mean, at the end of the day, he's also providing rim protection. I mean, on a lot of those drives to the basket with Trey, with anyone like in beats right there, like he's, I mean, he's putting in full effort. The man's giving it everything he can on an injured leg, which unfortunately it's the type of injury where it doesn't get better unless you give it like a, like a decent stretch of time. Like, so, uh, you know, off and could potentially require surgery. We're not even sure about that yet. You know, he could require surgery in the off season. So yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Tobias Harris, shoot the ball more. Ben Simmons, please be more aggressive. Drive to the, I don't get why he does not drive more. Just makes absolutely no sense to me, especially he shoots 70% at the rim. That is an awesome, insane number. Like these guys play with such high efficiency. It just feels like they're forced, they force fed Embiid. I get it. You know, he's, uh, he was MVP candidate this year, but I mean, you know, take some, take, take some parts to just take some of his load. Pause. Yeah, take to myself. Take some of his load. <laughs> take some of his load. Words of my Oh my god, bro. So, um, not to do you guys mind? Uh, not to make a complete one eighty on this conversation. We talked about injuries with Joel Embiid a little bit. Um, I'm sure we all know we this entire NBA season has been greatly affected by injuries more than I would like. You know, with. Jamal Murray getting injured for the Denver Nuggets. Of course, the Los Angeles Lakers all got injured at the wrong time. And now in their last game, at least at the time that, what was it, game four, I believe? Yeah, in game four, um, Kyrie Irving injured his ankle. And I don't know if you guys saw, 
but did you see how Glenn Davis reacted to Kyrie Irving injuring his ankle? Yeah, the Celtics winning that championship might be like the worst thing that has ever happened <laughs> in the game of basketball. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I loved Glenn and uh, Nate back in the day, but like, yeah, back like, in the day they were cool, bro. They that, were cool, they had, bro. They had that one game. They had that one playoff game where like Nate was jumping on Glenn's back and like it was like, sick. But like, yeah, Glenn Davis, relax, like. What you should never, ever, ever, I don't care who it is, celebrate someone's injury. Don't care who it, it is, never. So low class. That is just, sh- yeah, you're, you're it, being shit. Yeah, you never I, do that. I, I, I understand the passion and being upset at Kyrie for stomping on, uh, on logo, uh, on Lucky the logo. You know, I understand when, uh, I understand how much Lucky and the Celtics uh, might mean to Glenn Davis because he won a championship with them. And even Kevin Garnett came and spoke out about Kyrie Irving disrespecting the Celtics and given Kyrie Irving's history with the Celtics, I can understand how that's taken the wrong way. I think saying, ha, that's the same ankle that you stomped on Lucky with. You see, karma's a bitch. You shouldn't have done that. I think that's just absolutely bizarre, (laughs) but... That aside, I wouldn't say it's bizarre. I'd say that's an asshole move, honestly. Like, like it, don't. All my it, homies it, it, hate big, uh, big baby Davis. Yeah, Bro, I mean, we like, got it, that. Wait, wait. While we're on this subject, uh, do you guys, of course, see Devin Booker's tweet at the Suns fan? Kind of hard. Oh. I'm not gonna lie, book. That was kind of hard. I'm not gonna. That was lie. sick. I, I, all right, all right, wait. So you sons of because okay, he got a lot of a, a lot of like you know crap for that. Um, but here, so for for anyone listening to the pod that doesn't know, um, a Suns fan literally beat the shit out of a Nuggets fan at the game. Uh, and here, I actually pulled up a basically a transcript of what exactly happened. So. Nuggets fans were being generally obnoxious all game and they go to leave early. And so this Suns fan, he chirps at them. He starts waving goodbye and saying Suns in four. Okay. Uh, the Nuggets in this, this they describe him as the bowl cut guy. Uh, wait, he gets pissed off, chirps back. Suns guy says that his chains and watch are fake and everything. If you saw the guy, you know, he's decked out, chains, watch, everything. Nuggets bowl cut guy takes out a wad of cash, apparently, and asks if he think he thinks his money is fake, which I would have loved to have watched all this actually take place because this sounds absurd. All right. <laughs> Whatever. Sun's guy rolls his eyes, goes, this, this is over. Situation's over. You know, the Nuggets fan dumps a beer on the Sun's guy's head as he goes to leave. That starts a fight. In which the Suns fan proceeds to demolish the Nuggets guy's face. All right. And to make this all so much worse, the Nuggets fan obviously did not think that this was being recorded on camera. He did not think that this was going to go, you know, as viral as it did. He made an Instagram story for, I'm assuming, just his own friends. And was pointing at himself going, oh, look at these battle wounds. Look at these battle wounds. He's like, we beat the shit out of some guy. I dumped a beer on his head. We we fucked him up. 
And it just made it so much worse, man. I mean, literally to just pretend like you beat someone up when literally the whole world watched a guy, literally, I'll just back up and guy took his head and just went boom, 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 like four or five times. And then Devin Booker's like, yo, who is this guy supporting him? Like, I mean, sounds just hilarious. sounds like he it just sounds like he's super down bad like every like bad that like every part of that story like the fake jewelry to taking out a wad of cash which i don't even know why people walk around with a lot of cash bro it's yeah, 2021 like yeah, yeah, yeah what are you smart. doing yeah that's not smart at all not street smart not no type of smart i don't know where you got that from also you left out the no look punch you left that out yeah, yeah wait sorry sorry he cheap shot him sorry i forgot, yeah. I, I missed that in the actually in the tra transcript that i have um this was taken from reddit shout out to who did this sorry my bad i didn't look it up but uh, it says Nuggets bowl cut takes cheap shot, and then it goes Nuggets bowl cut discovers he has a new father. That <laughs> like guy just whooped him, bro. Like, bro, leave the Nuggets fans alone. They went, they've been through so much this year, like so many ups and downs. You know, like there was a point where I thought that they'd actually be able to challenge for the West, and then like Jamal Murray gets injured, and then they start telling themselves that Michael Porter Jr. could potentially carry them, and then you know that. Didn't I, I love the Nuggets, man. I'm a big Jokic fan. <laughs> you know, I've always liked Michael Porter Jr. I, I mean, I well, like all that, but I just don't like that guy. You know. So yeah, so if we were to go to a. Go ahead, Coop. I was just going to say, while we're here, we got to talk uh, Jokic versus Book. Did you guys see uh, Jokic brothers go after or like try to like kind of like hint like they were going to go after Book? Like they were like super yeah, like, mad in the stands. Like, like Serbian mob type mentality. Bro, like they looked like they could kill Book and make it look like it was an accident. Like no joke. I'd be terrified of his brothers. Bro, okay, like, so... I was just gonna say for for one, like there were a lot of people on Twitter saying like Book doesn't know what he's getting himself into. Book can't fight. Okay, so if your teammate gets like cheap shotted or like flagrant fouled or whatever, like Book just did the right thing. You know, he just went up and yeah, he was you know. like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then how who are we to say we know what Book is about? I have, I don't know Devin Booker like that. I don't know his past. I don't know his background. Even if I knew where he was from, I don't know what he's gotten into. I don't know if he's like fought other people i don't know if he's had boxing classes you know what i'm saying i'm never the one to say somebody's about that life or not about that life at the end of the day i mean there's a viral clip of him like complaining about being double teamed in a pickup game so like that's an that's a that's at least the very right, minimal that has nothing like that's the correlations are right <laughs> also also i mean like i understand uh, yeah i mean okay i i see both ways on that side still because he was just being like stop double teaming your pickup game i'm trying to work on my game and you guys are freaking ruining your but then other people are like if you have a competitive spirit you won't complain whatever whatever with that with that you know i mean i completely agree with you coop with devin booker you know what are you supposed to do you're supposed to just be like oh campaign you're just on the ground like like looking at the replay, I mean, what what do you guys think? With the first of all, just quickly, I don't think he should have got tossed. Uh, yeah, at I don't all. think he. Sh I don't. I don't think he should have got. He got. He hit. Ejected. I mean, he straight up. It looked worse the than ball. it did. It looked worse than it did. It looked yeah. worse than it did live. Like Cam just laying on the ground for like five straight minutes didn't exactly help things. Um, but end of the day, I mean, LeBron's not getting tossed for that. Like it's kind of crazy. It's 
crazy that he got tossed for that. You, you, you could already see CP3's influence rubbing off on Cam. You know, like I can. Oh, yeah, he, dude, he was on the ground for like a year. Like, honestly, hey, no, bro, that's a CP3. Like, look, I yeah, love Chris Paul, but that's like some CP3 shenanigans right there. Like, like right. I mentioned. So we, I mentioned. I I mentioned yesterday when I was watching the game when Ben Simmons, uh, you know, I fouled. Trey, right? I think, or John, no, John Collins. When he fouled Tra- yeah. John Collins in transition, I think that's a more dangerous play by far than any that with Jokic. Jokic accidentally, you know, I mean, I, I definitely I do don't not know. think in any way Jokic I don't think went Jokic, to hit him in the I face. Know. I think maybe he, I maybe he's a little mad. He aggressively just swiped down, hit the ball. You know, Ben Simmons, if you watch that play, uh, I mean, I might get random shit for this. I don't care, honestly, because if you watch that play, the ball is in John Collins' hand up here. Ben Simmons literally like hit like his waist, basically, on the left side. He was nowhere near the ball at all. It, that deserved the flagrant one, as did, I think, you know, I'm not saying toss Ben. I'm just saying, personally, to me, the out of the two plays, the one that made me go, whoa, like, oh, that like had injury pot- potential was John Collins over Jokic like and tossing the MVP in a deciding game like that I mean you got to do something super super bad and I think the refs were soft on that one for sure I mean again I've said it a bunch but he hit he straight up smacked full ball like he went yeah did he clip Cam in the face yes give him a flagrant one Move on. I think I think it was the context of the situation and like how he went about it. Like you can tell, like he wanted to like retaliate in some type of way. So I think that might have had something to do with it. But also, um, while we're here, um, if we ever have a three v three basketball tournament, uh, okay. Or actually, let me preface uh, that with this: I don't think Book should have been the one that went up to Jokic. They uh, the Suns like Jay Crowder. Where you at? I mean, I, I obviously don't have the clip or whatever, but you know. Uh, the Suns got to have somebody else going up and um, checking Jokic. I know Book was probably like one of the closest or whatever, but you don't want now your I, star player getting into that. Now I like that though. I feel like that's like that's like a yeah. I, I understand what you're saying like you have the enforcer type, but I also yeah. Like I mean, it was that, hard like, by Book. I like it too. I like it too. He's the face of the franchise, so like I like the fact that like you know like leadership wise, like he's going like like don't fuck with anyone. Like you know, I mean, campaign's bench player. Like I mean, and he just wa- walking up. To Jokic, who's gigantic, like that's really showing your team. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah. I mean, Jokic with those, you know, he got he's got those kind of dead eyes in that situation. That was kind of a little freaky. Flight Just Mike staring into dead uh, Dev's soul. Can we agree that if uh, we have a three v three basketball tournament, that Flight Mike is going to be our enforcer? Oh yeah, just like get that out of the way I think right now. I think it would happen accidentally, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this man throws guys through the window. Through I know, with, uh, with no problems. So, like I don't know what he's gonna do on a basketball court. Uh, so long, so long as we celebrate at Papa Do's after the dub. Yeah. Man. Oh my god. <laughs> I, that's I a low blow. Hey, that's a low blow, <laughs> bro. I love Papa Do's. Like I, I, love I used Papa to go Do's there as a kid. Too. Like that charbord. Their their fries were fire um they're, they're so, are good. Yo, so wait wait coop wait coop how, how yeah. can you dunk, like how how's your dunk game right now my dunk oh i'm getting there i'm getting back man i lost like 10 Ooh. pounds um yo i've been i've been working on my legs can you catch I, I could catch yeah i could catch alleys bro oh I could okay catch yo alleys. like we're, all right we're, you, we're, got, we're you gotta let there. me get all right I'm, I'm gonna say guys for everyone watching you know uh, day one of the gym 
day one back on the diet grind. I, you know, I uh, kind of had a day zero yesterday where I still dieted and, you know, exercise, but I am getting back. I'll be back in basketball shape at my, uh, you know, at my height, at my prime, you know, I'm, I'm a point guard, good, good court vision, great shooter. But I, w- I had a point where, uh, in my freshman dorm, shout out to my man, Io. He was about only like six, three or six, four, like nothing, you know, nothing huge, but man could jump. And we used to go run pickup games at a uh, Tafner. It's a uh, court at St. John's where, you know, they're highly competitive pickup games. You know, this is Queens, New York. Like we're playing with, you know, basketball team would show up plenty of times. There are a bunch of guys there that, you know, I, I've played high level basketball games. Those games were good. And I would be throwing alley-oops from half court on a semi-regular basis, I would say, honestly. Like, literally, like, maybe once every three games from half court or something. But I was just throwing this man oops. So, I'm telling you, like, if when I get an alley-oop partner, love it. Like, you can score every time. All right, now I'm not LeBron. I want to say that right now. I'm not. I'm not LeBron. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this was, this was. This, we were 19 at this point, or 18, yeah, and 19. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we we had legs, but you know, I'm I'm talking, you know, three v three half court. That's a yeah, different yeah, alley. Yeah. That's a more of a drive to the basket, lob it up. So, quick question: Should we try to hit a court at Rolling Loud, um, in Cali, Mike, Flight Mike? What are you thinking with this one? Uh, if you guys want it, we could go for it. You think? Uh, <laughs> what the day? Um, I'll probably, yeah, if you guys don't know, we're, uh, we're all going to rolling that together. You know what we should do? What we should do is I should fly out on Thursday, at least, if not Wednesday, and we could record a live pod. Oh, know? yeah, that might not be a bad idea. For sure. Okay. Like, I think I think that is for sure what we do. And yeah, then we could, uh, I'm definitely down to ball. Me, me and Tom so, were actually talking about today. We were like, can we break the, like Tom actually texted. He was like, yo, like, he's like, we should break the three point record for most three pointers in one minute. It's 31. <laughs> it's literally 31. Really? I do like, that all the which time. seems somewhat doable. If you watch the video, uh, the guy, you know, he, first of all, he makes 31 straight threes. Okay. Then misses his final three threes, which is like, Obviously, some guy was like last five seconds and somehow that rattled him after making 31 straight shots with no conscience. But, you know, I feel like you could get up like a solid 40 shots if you're shooting faster, like in a minute. Like the guy, the guy had 50 basketballs with a guy just handing him a uh, basketball every single time. So it's not like you're just walking and you're just shooting by yourself. So, I mean, that that's a that video could go viral. My Corsema breaks Guinness Book of World Record three pointers in one minute. Yeah, we could uh, we could react to that on the pod. Tom, we gotta start um, training, dog. So I wanted to ask you guys something because we skipped out like one tiny little bit of uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns, which, if you don't mind me going back to that, um, what would you say Chris Paul's value is to the Phoenix Suns at this point? Because I don't know if you guys heard, this man is planning on opting out this offseason out of a $44 million contract. He's 34 years old. There's a rumor going around that the Suns might offer him a three-year, $100 million contract. Hmm. With that, I'll say what... Worth it, it, if they can afford it. And worth it, and what else are you... Who would you replace him with, is my uh, question with that one. Because... 
I think a lot of times when you see a contract like that, you know, three years seems like a lot. Chris Paul gets injured a little bit. You know, they'd be holding him back in the regular season for sure. You know, it's three years as he gets older. I mean, I think one of the most important things, I'm glad I just remembered this because I actually specifically said I want to talk about some pod. I think one of the most impressive and important things about Chris Paul's game is the fact that he is able to uh you know evolve with his growing age he is able to change his game in a way that he still is a highly impactful player but just in a different way and not every nba superstar is able to do that at all and i think chris paul is actually one of the best examples of someone able to do that because you know you got lebron of course lebron's just been going been going and he's probably the I mean, maybe the best example, I guess, of a guy with the longevity. But I mean, if you watch guys like Allen Iverson, for instance, let's let's throw out him. You know, he he did not adjust his game in a way that could make him a useful player as he grew older. However, if you watch someone like Vince Carter, he adjusted his role. He fully bought into okay, you know, I'm no longer the guy that I am and that's okay i'm still going to make an impact on my team a lot of guys don't have hey man um, uh can't put their ego to the side like that i would say which i think is just super great for chris paul and yeah if i were you know betting on him i'm betting on him you know like i'd I'd take him for sure because just look what he did with the thunder look what he did with the suns i mean the suns hadn't made the playoffs with devin booker yet and now we're looking at a team where, like, are they the Western Conference favorites? Yeah, right? Like, they've got to be. Beat the Lakers, clean sweep of the Nuggets. Has Damian Lillard, I mean, I, I don't want to, we've, we've talked a, a bunch about Damian Lakers and whatever, but has Damian, Laker, Damian Lillard saying, shaking my fucking head after a game three loss, uh, for the Nuggets lost game three because he just saw the Portland Trailblazers lost to a team that got swept by the Suns. So what's Chris Paul's value? I would say, yeah, tremendous. Sign that man up. Yeah, um, I'm just going to I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Just is what it is about to embrace it. I don't think Vince Carter uh, evolved that well late into his career. I feel like he was kind of just collecting checks but um i do think he evolved to the best of his ability it's a little tougher when um when you're a guy like vince but yeah i just kind of wanted to to throw that in there also he was a good vet leader i i will give you that too but he wasn't i wasn't i think you might i'm i'm thinking more you know like to orlando and then Okay, okay. If you're talking Orlando, if you're talking Orlando, I'll give you that. I'll give you like, that. Like, and then, you know, some Dallas days where, like, yeah, I mean. But, like, I mean, what was he, like, 32 at that time? 33? Like, that's not that bad. That's not that Dallas, old. he was 35, you're right. 36. Oh, that, that was 35? Okay, well, yeah, 30, I'll give you that yeah, then. I mean, Vince played till he's 43. That's why, like, literally, Vince is the only player to ever play in four decades. So Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's actually absolutely insane. I mean, when did he... I mean, that that will never happen again, probably. I mean, he played 1999 to 2020. Like, that's nuts. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's crazy to be able to evolve your game in that way. 
However, we got a lot to talk about. And I mean, with the Suns, do we want to talk any more about the Suns? We've covered them no, a bunch. No, no, no. Yeah, we, we're good with them. Yeah, we've covered the them a bunch. If you guys want to hear us, I mean, last podcast, we really, you know, talked about Bridges. We talked about Aiden. We've been talking about him. Uh, who do you guys want to talk about? Do you want to talk Clippers? I, re- I really, really want to talk about the Nets. I have sat down here and heard so much LeBron James slander, even whether it's as a Los Angeles Lakers fan or even prior to this year, like him losing his uh, the 2015 finals to the Golden State Warriors when Kevin Love and Kyrie were out. Um, just I've heard so much slander about the man like taking the losing his first NBA final series in 2007 against the San Antonio Spurs, despite him taking like a squad of role players to the NBA finals. And now I'm really excited to see Kevin Durant potentially, not that I'm happy that his teammates are injured. I just want to see how Kevin Durant will respond now that he's in the same situation that LeBron James has been in multiple times. You know, like this year, LeBron couldn't make it past the first round, but there was way too much uh, going on against him. You know, he got he came back from an ankle injury prematurely. I think AD like came back. I think he rushed himself a little bit. Schroeder came back um, like the time at the exact same time the plan was about to start. I am. I want to see how Kevin Durant's going to answer this call, assuming like uh, uh, assuming that his teammates can't continue on and I'm hoping that they get well soon. You know, Harden is uh, expected to play tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I know he is, but he was expected to play in game one and then he went down with the same hamstring tightness as before. Yeah. So uh, with the, with the Brooklyn Nets, um, this isn't really getting talked about a lot, but uh, all of their stars have been kind of overloaded with minutes and they've kind of been overcompensating Kyrie played 45 minutes twice this series. That's a three-minute break uh, in two games. Like, that's kind of absurd, especially when you think about the offensive uh, toll that, that weighs on on these guys. I mean, um, I really hope that we don't see Kevin Durant continue to tick into the high 40s because he's already at, like, 40 minutes per game, 42 minutes per game. And this has been a physical series. You know, um, they, they've been letting a lot go. And I think P.J. Tucker – and and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are making a note to rough up the Brooklyn Nets a little. So, you know, I am a little worried about, you know, the whole injury bubble surrounding the series. Yeah, especially when you're considering the fact that Kevin Durant literally had an Achilles, like is coming off of an Achilles tear from, you know, the beginning of the year. He came back from an Achilles tear. And then if you just think back to the way the man tore his Achilles to begin with. You know, he had a calf strain um, in the in his final playoff run with the Golden State Warriors. He pushed the issue a little bit. As a result, he got hit with probably the worst injury that you could get hit with in basketball. Now, it was on his non-shooting leg, so it's a little bit better, but it's still something that I could imagine at least KD looking at his teammates as like a little bit of a cautionary tale saying, Hey, like don't push it. We have plenty of more playoff runs in us. Possibly, you know, you don't want to risk it all for the very first one. And then you just look at the nets and they've just been battered by injuries all year. Like Spencer Dinwiddie uh, out for the season. And he would have been, uh, he would have played a huge role. 
um, saying this from the top of my men uh, memory, but I know multiple other players got injured as well. So I don't know. It should be interesting to see how KD could answer the call. But personally, I don't think he can. If, if he goes in this alone, like I'll say this on this pod, if it's just Kevin Durant and there's no Harden or no Kyrie, I don't think he makes it out of the series. I think the Brooklyn Nets lose. Oh, I'm absolutely. not saying. I'm not saying I, he will. I think, that. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. I think. I, I think. I, don't. I think the Nets can win. And I without, thought the Bucks were going to win guys? this series. I think. Uh, well, Harden's playing tonight, so uh, whatever Harden gives them, you know, uh, without either of them, whatever. I, I think. I think the Nets are a well-rounded team. I think they have guys that can step up. Uh, I think Mike James is fully capable of stepping into a bigger offensive role. I think uh, Joe Harris is capable of stepping his game up a little bit. You know, um, Blake Griffin, we all know that Blake's been pretty good throughout these playoffs. Uh, I, I like the Nets team. I'm not 100% sold on the Bucks, which is weird to say because I had the Bucks initially winning this series. So, you know, it sounds crazy saying that, but uh, I, I think Kevin Durant, I think he's I think he's that guy. Obviously, you can't do it by yourself. Uh, it's going to take multiple efforts, but I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. How come, if you don't mind me asking, because you said you pivoted on your original stance, how is it that now that the, Milwaukee, now yeah, that the Brooklyn Nets are hurt okay, a little well, bit more? Okay, well, it's an easy answer, easy answer. Um, uh, originally, the Bucks tried to go big. I thought big ball would destroy the Brooklyn Nets. You know, um, Lopez, Giannis. I was like, how are they going to defend this? Blake Griffin has been phenomenal on Giannis. No way around it. Um, Giannis has had some good games, but overall, he's had to work for a lot of what he's gotten. Uh, he's done a good job. I don't want to say neutralizing Giannis, but he's done a great job of making life tough. I didn't think Blake Griffin would be an impactful defender on Giannis. So that originally, uh, initially, is like just going to shift me a little bit. And also, like I said, I thought the Bucks going big against the Brooklyn Nets was just going to devastate them. Seeing Brooke Lopez in the post has kind of also helped to pivot my uh, pivot my decision a little. So I think the Nets match up a lot better than I thought they did. I think they have a lot of firepower. And uh, yeah, that's, that's just kind of where I stand on the whole situation. And I think Kevin Durant is, is that guy to where he can go to another level. And I also think he's a little underrated as a playmaker. I feel like a lot of people have been maybe a little too hard on him. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the I'm, day, I guess we'll see. Here's my thing with Kevin Durant. And then, Corzamba, you have that look in your eye. Like, I could tell we're only 11 pods deep. But, like, I could tell when you're like, oh, I'm about to drop some knowledge. So I want to come well, to you I mean, next. well, I'll just quickly, like, he said Blake Griffin is neutralized, Giannis. I was No, I said I, did, I said I didn't want to say neutralized. I said I don't want to say neutralized. I said he's done a good job. And that's not something that I saw coming. Gian Giannis has been great. Giannis has been great. So has, I'm not, I, I would, not I would honestly say that like one of the most underrated subplots right now that's currently going on in the playoffs is that if the Bucks win this, like this is a potential Giannis like redemption tour. Giannis like, hey, I am a back-to-back -back MVP and now I'm actually proving it because he's gotten a lot of shit in the playoffs where people are going, this is your back-to-back -back MVP. This guy's won two MVPs, blah, 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 blah whatever. Like Giannis currently for this series against the Nets is averaging 30 points a game, 12 rebounds and shooting 54%. Um, the only thing that he needs to stop doing 
is first of all, I don't know what's going on with this free throw shooting. Like that is a fixable skill. Please, bro. But my whole my whole thing is like honestly, like when the three ball is not falling for him, just stop. Like especially especially when you're walking up the court and you're shooting like the wide open three at the top of the key. He is. Missing that top of the key three at such an alarming rate. He's currently shooting, what is it, one for 5.33, less than 20%. He's doing everything else phenomenally, uh, crushing it. I mean, all right, with what, but I would say with like, you're saying Kevin Durant can pull it out, which I mean, I'm not going to go out here and say that, like, I, would, I don't want to count Kevin Durant because he is one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. He's lethal at any night, you know, could go absolutely off with a man completely in his face. However, I don't agree that the Nets have as many options as you're saying when they have more than one star out. Okay. Yeah. If when Kyrie at or Harden is playing along with Durant, or you know Kyrie or Harden are playing. I yeah, think all uh, those Nets options and, and Harden's playing well. tonight. And Harden is supposed I, to be playing tonight. We'll so. see. We'll see. Or you know, yeah, he could we'll, al- we'll he see. Could also we'll play, see how that goes. He could also play and end up playing 14 minutes, or he could play and you know be but showing notes. To add on, to, to but we weren't talking. We weren't. We weren't talking about if you said. If Harden is out, you said no. If they're out, we're, I'm saying yeah. I said I, I added that in. I was like, yeah. If they're both out, I still do think there's a chance that he can do it at the end yeah. of the day. I, but I'm I, one of those I optimistic guys. That. I don't believe in that. I'm I one think, of those. I think the Bucks. I mean, I think especially the Bucks with being able to game plan a little bit more with the idea that Kevin Durant is going to be the complete main option out there. You know, knowing that Irving's hurt, knowing that James Harden might be hurt, like you know, they're they're going into this with kind of more of a different mindset where they're going to have defensive schemes for lineups that the Nets are going to have out there where they don't have as many options and they're going to take the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands. I'll give you this. It's definitely not an ideal situation um, for the Brooklyn Nets. And again, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying there's a chance. But uh, to touch on what you said about Giannis, uh, like initially, I thought Giannis was going to come out and destroy the series. He's been good, but... I don't want to say he's necessarily been dominant. He's scoring the ball, but he's taking a lot of shots. And if you ask me, what he's doing right now, it's going to sound dumb, is a win for the Brooklyn Nets. If Giannis has to take 26 shots to get 34 points, um, you know, you don't love it for Brooklyn, but you can win with him playing like that. You can't pl- You can't win if he's missing six shots, seven shots, and he's just destroying you uber efficiently not saying 54 percent is bad at all because it's good but when once he gets into that elite efficiency and he's uh playing around the basket and you know getting those good shots getting those easy shots that's where he really hurts you in my opinion the three-point shooting and the free throws are literally killing him yeah you're they're killing him uh, yeah yeah, whenever he pulls up from three, I can imagine like the entire Brooklyn Nets bench and like, you know, the coaches are like, yes, that's what we wanted because like it's not his game at all. It's something he's working on and still needs to work on, by the way. I don't know if you guys like there's just like one freeze frame of him trying to shoot a basketball. Mm-hmm. It, his his mechanics need a lot of work. But on top of that, another thing that, yeah. Coop, I also wanted to comment on the fact that uh, what you said about Blake Griffin, 
Um, there's this like one clip, it like blew up on social media. I know both of you guys probably have seen it, where Giannis and Adekumpo is isolated on Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's dropping back on him. Giannis has like no size up moves on him whatsoever and then backs up a little bit and then tries to go full steam ahead at Blake Griffin and then he gets stopped. So, I mean, at this point, it's impossible to fully stop Giannis, but I do think Blake Griffin has been doing an okay job slowing him down. I just, I'm sorry, in my brain, I can never imagine Blake Griffin as a defensive stopper. It just doesn't compute. Um, I, I agree, but, which is like crazy to say. Yeah, that's that, yeah, like that's like saying to me, I know Rajon Rondo's improved as a three-point shooter, but that's like you telling me Rajon Rondo, three-point sniper. It just it doesn't compute. But um, the thing about Kevin Durant and KD fans, I want you guys to like go into the comment section and just completely obliterate me for this. But we will, we will. Yeah, yeah. We please will. do. I know Coop. I know, I know Coop is like a Coop is Coop is like low key a borderline. When I first met Coop, he was a KD stan. I don't think he stands him anymore. <laughs> but when I met him, like Coop and I met in oh like 2010, big Kevin Durant fan. Yeah, it was bad. the thing. The thing. The thing about KD is he historically as remarkable of a scorer as he is that's what he is he's a scorer you know he's an elite elite scorer quite possibly one of the greatest scorers that we've ever seen but he's always needed help on his side whether that's in the form of Westbrook and uh, and like Harden off the bench and Ibaka or in the form of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green or currently in the form of Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Blake Griffin off uh, and whatnot. And whenever you would take those pieces away, all you get is a player that could score in bunches. He could cry and maybe like he could give you like one of those crazy 50 plus games in the regular season and eke out a victory. Sure. But in a playoff series, eh, that's too one dimensional for me. I'm not sure if this is normal practice, but I really don't like this for Brooklyn. And that's the fact that I think Mike D'Antoni is interviewing for like coaching jobs right now. Yeah, yeah there's but they a also lot have of that stuff going on. Like, like Carlisle being associated with the Bucks job. Was like, yeah, like, what, like, what do we like? Yeah, like, I when I saw that, I was like, well, Mike, don't we have a series to finish? Like, can we <laughs> at least play? Like, but like, how long? Yeah, but like, here's the thing. I used to think that too. But like, how long does an interview take? Like, forty five minutes to an hour. I don't look, imagine. Man, the entire... I don't want you thinking about getting promoted right now. Get promoted by showing me what you're doing this series. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I think I the problem I, is though I don't that don't a lot of the teams that. make decisions. So like they like by the time that the playoffs are over, potentially for the Bucks, yeah. they, could, they could go all the way. Um, by the time the playoffs are over, you know, those jobs could be gone. I mean, you see it in the NCAA to the extreme. There have been several cases of guys taking a job end of season before the NCAA tournament with their team in the NCAA oh, tournament. Oh, no. I, 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 and, I've never seen that, but I'm taking yes. your word for it. Like, that's crazy, bro. Yes. They literally have left their team. Like, that has happened. Um, I think actually in... Hmm, I want to say Michigan. I'm almost positive the Michigan coach, uh, this Jawan guy, Howard. This might be wrong. No, no, not Jawan Howard. Uh, but he he ended up coaching Jawan Howard, the guy that ended up that coached the Fab Five. Uh, before he coached the Fab Five, when he took over the job originally, the reason that he held on to the job was 
because he took over for just the NCAA tournament. The school literally, like the other head coach at the time, left the team. Like they, I think he said he would coach at the NCAA tournament, but they were like, no, get out of here. And so the coach, I'm pretty sure his name is Steve Fisher. I am just going to keep talking as I look it up. Steve Fisher, uh, head coach. Yep. Yep. He ended up leading Michigan, who was like mm, an eight seed or something. Actually, you know what? Give me one second. Let me look at this exact story. Head coach of Bill, Bill Frieder, Michigan. He ends up taking the job at Arizona State literally before the NCAA tournament begins. He gets promoted and the Michigan athletic director famously says, I don't want someone from Arizona State coaching the Michigan team. A Michigan man is going to coach Michigan. So Steve Fisher takes over. He's was their assistant coach. He was not supposed to be their coach go after that season. He was supposed to just, you know, do his job and they were going to hire someone else, especially because um, Michigan was a lower seed, maybe like a 10, eight or something. They ended up making an improbable final four run. He ended up keeping his job and then he was the one that put the Fab Five together. He was their coach. So. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the NBA. Yeah, people are interviewing for jobs and the NCAA people have taken jobs and gotten kicked out of their team. What the? That's How hilarious is it that they went to the Final Four after as well? Like you literally <laughs> gave up on your team and then they played way better than they did for you. That's that's heartbreaking, honestly. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, he deserves yeah. it. Like, freaking, don't take a don't take another job before the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's that's pretty dumb. I'm not gonna lie. I just can't believe those Clippers comments I got. I really want to address those. Might not do it, but address them. Kawhi is on a mission is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What the fuck? Did you see that Kawhi dunk yesterday? Oh my god, he Holy murdered him. If, if that's not on a mission, then I don't know what is, man. That was that was crazy. That was actually crazy. That was actually like jump out of your seat, like whoa, shit. Yeah, you saw. Did you see Embiid's reaction to the dunk? He was he was having he was uh getting interviewed and he was like whoa. He was like yo, you see that? Did you see that Kawhi dunk? And he had a little crazy. stare down too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kawhi don't normally do that when like people like like to go like oh he's a rope like people even did the like oh he's a robot like even when he don't nah he had a stare down i buy into greatness i buy into Kawhi. if they lose it's gonna be on his back that series is really entertaining all right so coop certainly believes that Kawhi is a man on a mission you know i've got to say with the stare down you know after the dunk with the Kawhi's performance lately I mean, I I think I saw actually a funny uh, some a funny comment on some of the highlights where it was like Kawhi is like an AI computer and he just takes in the first two games and then adjusts you know automatically. Um, what do you think, Mike? What do you think about the Clippers? Do you think that because a lot of guys, a lot of people, you know, including I would say you know myself, I made a Clippers you know semi hateish video. A lot of people have been counting them out. Do you think this is a team that still has a chance to go all the way, win the NBA championship? And of course, do you think they could win this series? Um, here's the thing that I notice about the Clippers. It's 
I do agree in the sense that Kawhi Leonard kind of like intakes all this information and adjusts because even in his last championship run with the Toronto Raptors, we saw that happening in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? He went down to the uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks two to nothing. And then eventually the Toronto Raptors ended up winning that series. And then we saw that literally again in the previous round where we thought that the Dallas Mavericks were going to win. They went up on the Los Angeles Clippers two to nothing. Clippers come back end up winning the series and now at the time we're recording this pod the series is dead even after the clippers were down two to nothing they came back so it's i don't necessarily want to i don't necessarily know if it's done on purpose i do think there might be a bit of a feeling out process going on because the one thing i noticed and i think the way things shifted was in their last loss to the utah jazz the Los Angeles Clippers were down by like 20 plus, I remember, and they came out in a zone. And I remember, although the Utah Jazz ended up winning that game, they were able to close the gap decently. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, you know, I was a huge Tyron Lue hater. Like from the very beginning, I came on this pod and I said that Tyron Lue is a coach that got carried by LeBron James to a championship, you know, didn't really contribute much, is really good at controlling his players, and that's it. And I I said that. But when I saw that adjustment being made, and I don't know if it was Tyron Lue, it could have been someone else, but when I saw that adjustment being made in that game, I was like, wow, the Clippers might actually have a chance here. So I don't know. Because I've seen way too much inconsistency in the Clippers. I want to see how the Utah Jazz could answer back to the adjustments Tyron Lue has made against them. But I do like the Clippers' chances. And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Utah Jazz are going to take the series. Whereas if you asked me this question about five days ago, I would have said that I have the Utah Jazz meeting the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. What did I say about Tyron Lue? Honestly, honestly, you got to give credit where credit's due. Coop literally straight up was like, yeah, Ty Lue's underrated and he's going to make coaching changes. He said it. He did. He for sure said it. He for sure said it. You know, I'll say about the Clippers, what excites me about their team is their ability to go like super big, but not in a traditional sense at all. It's more of just like they've got four guys out there that are all six foot eight or six foot nine. I love that. I think that's the future of the league. And it's literally just like, it's so hard to guard. Like, especially especially when you have someone like Reggie Jackson also stepping up tremendously. I mean, I um, think it was mentioned that Reggie Jackson wasn't in the rotation, like going headed into this season. And now he's, what, he's shooting like 60% in some Also, he might as well be six foot eight. Um, he's got a seven foot yeah. wingspan. Yeah, Reggie he's Jackson. He's got a is seven foot Wingspan. Yeah, I'm seeing yeah. OKC Thunder Reggie Jackson out there. It, yeah. This is like crazy. And so like it's just like their ability to just, you know, switch their ability for all so many guys on their team to be able to guard multiple positions. Their Stimply. ability to just to just uh, so many shooters out there. You've got to guard everyone. You there the mismatch problems, it's insane because it's just, you know, you've got you you've got shorter guys out there or you have a center out there that is immobile and can't really guard the perimeter or you have problems and it seems like they're really coming to their own it seems like you know 
yeah, it, like, you know, they took two games and now they're like definitely showcasing a, a potential that I wasn't sure was there, especially in the beginning of the Dallas series where I thought they were definitely getting outplayed and I was concerned. But I mean, this is a team where suddenly out of nowhere, it's like, oh, look, here are the Clippers. Like next thing you know, they could be in the NBA finals and we're going like, you know, this whole story is completely rewritten because we were talking like, oh, Kawhi gets bounced by the Mavericks. Like, where's he going? Like Golden State Warriors, like, you know, Miami Heat. Now it's like, you know, who wants to go play with the Clippers? Because this is a good team. And I do agree, you know, this is kind of like a future of the league situation where you see, yeah, you've got five guys, you've got five threats out there. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has certainly taken advantage in terms of attacking the rim with the lack of rim protection. But the thing is, like, it just hasn't been enough. Yeah, they they need Mike Conley. They need Mike Conley bad. They need they they need another playmaker. I mean, um, I'm looking at the stats from last game. Jordan Parsons Jazz, been dropping the ball. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the stats, and the highest assist total on their team was five, and that came from Mitchell. And we know Mitchell is a he does a lot of things well. You know, fantastic creator uh, when it comes to creating his own shot. Fantastic scorer. He could put the ball in the basket with some of the best of them. But what he's not is a creator. Mike Conley's having arguably his best season or his most impactful season. Um, and, you know, he has not been out there on the floor. And when it comes to this Jazz team, they got a lot of shooters. They got a lot a lot of guys that can um, put the ball in the basket. But they need somebody to get it to them, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's actually a really weird series if you look at it. Because there is not a single player in on either team that's averaging more than four and a half assists per game. And the Clippers, Kawhi's averaging four Paul George is averaging 4.3 assists, and then it drops to Reggie Jackson at 2.8. So yeah. I, I also think there's two interesting dynamics at play where, like, the Clippers have this 6-8 team with a bunch of wings that are versatile, and then you have the Jazz with this anchor and a bunch of shooting. Which neither is like a bad way or like the wrong way to build a team. But in your opinion, guys, like what do you think you would rather saying you have a superstar saying you have a guy? Would you rather a team built like the Jazz or would you rather a more versatile team like the Los Angeles Clippers? Hmm. See, now this is where we can, uh, you know, go back to Trey Young, where it's like Trey's ability to have those 18 assist games with the center and shooting around him like having your star be more of a playmaker it just he fits that roster like the hawks are playing so well in my opinion because of how well their roster is assembled and how well just the pieces fit donovan mitchell is an incredible player incredible like star stepping up killing it but the problem is that he is not necessarily that guy that is getting those shooters involved that's you know running the pick and roll and maybe utilizing a center that's a lob threat as much as you know a guy like Trey does so in terms of like what roster I would rather have it depends I feel like on the situation and it depends on like who your star is when your star is Kawhi Leonard and your star is you know a guy who's not a primary you know it isn't even really like 
he's you know quite creates plays but he's not known for that at all average again like around four assists per game playoffs i i like what the clippers are doing i like their roster i'd rather spread it out and just do what they're doing i think i'd actually rather what the utah jazz do because from my perspective the utah jazz pretty much got together a group of role players that just play off of each other really well with some really solid pieces like Rudy Gobert, some great two-way players. And then they have uh, they have a great facilitator in Mike Conley, and they have a scorer that could get them out of sticky situations in Donovan Mitchell. Which, by the way, like, we were talking about Trey Young, you know, just being this very young guy that still has yet to scratch the surface of his potential. You forget that Donovan Mitchell was literally drafted the year before him. You know, and he's already pulling off some of the stuff that he does. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like the Clippers have an advantage as well. You know, they have like what I think and this is off the top of my head. They have like a combined like five championships on that team. I believe Rajon Rondo, uh, Rajon Rondo with two, you know, Kawhi Leonard with two um, and uh, Serge Ibaka with one. So. I think uh, that's probably what at least fascinates me the most out of that series, which is going to win out the well-oiled machine of the Utah Jazz or the experience of the Los Angeles Clippers. So uh, Tyrone Lewis kind of cutthroat. Have we seen Rondo this series? One one game he put up. I actually noticed that. I was looking at the assists. He's played one game. He had six assists. So technically he's leading the series in assists per game, but he's not playing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, though, that, I mean, they're going with what's working. You know, Reggie Jackson attacking yeah. the baskets what is working. You know, having having multiple six foot eight guys out there that, you know, can score, defend, yeah. you know, switch. It's, it's all working. So now, honestly, like the Clippers made the adjustments. They won their home games. Jazz won their home games before that. Now it's on the Jazz to come out and let's see if they're going to make adjustments because Clippers took the last two games and, you know, we've seen this plenty of times in the playoffs throughout history you know you you see teams like i mean if you look back at the last year of kevin durant you know the thunder i'm pretty sure came out and got kind of smoked by the spurs before they even played the warriors and a lot of people were counting out the thunder then and then thunder go out and crush the warriors for the first few games Man. and everyone is like oh yep okay see this is finally their finals appearance adjustments are made in the playoffs boom suddenly the warriors look like a different team clay catches fire they go to the finals you know utah jazz game five is huge for them we'll see if they make the right adjustments to you know favor their play style they are missing Conley though that is kind of a huge concern That's huge. yeah i mean because um, like again like, like I mentioned, like with the, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a scorer. If you put their roster is just so different when you do have the guy that's able to make plays and spread the ball around and get, you know, guys more involved. Yeah. Um, quick note, Joe Ingles is making 13 million a year. His contract is due to expire. I want to see what uh, they're going to end up paying this guy. Because yes. I know Duncan Robinson's expecting a bag. 
Joe Ingles is like five times the player Duncan Robinson is. Hey, don't get mad at me. Just my Whoa, opinion. whoa, whoa. What's with the Duncan Robinson? Hey, why'd you bring... Uh, what? I mean, I'll say, I'll say maybe I I'll say two point five. Yeah, I'll that was a hyperbole. I'll, five I'll, times. I'll, I'll take it down. I'll take it down. I'll take it down. All right. So next thing you know, you're gonna times. be saying some. Next thing you know, you're gonna be saying something crazy like Kyle Kuzma is better than John Collins. Like, all right, I like it. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 first of all, first of all, John Collins. Um, what? Where did the? Remember when? Like it was like John Collins wanted out, and we were like actually discussing like, oh, he just isn't. It doesn't seem like he at all feels that way anymore. It's kind of crazy how that that whole yeah. subplot is just completely gone. Man threw down some monster dunks last night. Like that honestly, I would say completely energized the Hawks and you know, let really help them uh come back. Like you could you could feel it in the building. Well, I mean, I was there, but you could you could you know, see the crowd and you know, it it was he gave them so much energy with those putback dunks. I actually thought that the Hawks missed out on so many opportunities. Like I, I think that could have been like a 12, 14 point win. Like they blew a bunch of open layups. They missed a ton of open threes. And not only just in the fourth quarter or the third quarter, like to start off the game, my first thought, honestly, after like about four or five minutes was, man, the Hawks just blew a ton of opportunities where they could have gain momentum and really, you know, rode the beginning of this game out because they were missing wide open threes. I think Trey started out struggling a bit, but I did ask on Twitter if anyone had any questions that they wanted to see answered in the pod. So for your Lakers talk during this, Manuel 513 Juan said, what should the Lakers do this offseason? So anything you say is going to fall under that. So there you go. That is your um freedom to talk lakers i woke up this morning and i saw this isn't the first time this has been mentioned people want a buddy healed for kyle kuzma trade now what do you think about that mike and what do you think about that coop because who says no to that so it's very important to know that like this can't be a straight up swap Right, like the the money just doesn't work out. So I'm actually kind of confused by that because with based on the off season, because first of all, Kuzma's contract becomes 13 mil next year, still doesn't completely work. But the Lakers lose a ton of salary off their books. Yeah. Um, well, they like would a have lot to, of salary off their books. So yeah, at least from my understanding, it would have to be something of the likes of Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. You know, go to the Kings, Lakers get back, um, Buddy healed. And I think this works out fantastically. This has been a very, you know, popular rumor for quite some time. I believe I was making videos on this like last year. And the reason why it was such a popular rumor is because Kyle Kuzma's role with the Los Angeles Lakers has been sort of diminished ever since the arrival of Anthony Davis. And his only other head coach, aside from Frank Vogel, is Luke Walton, who currently coaches the Sacramento Kings, who's had Can't believe he a good hit in jobs. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I don't I, I think in the Sacramento Kings case, like Luke Walton might be a good fit, um, but I mean, not a good fit, but a good get, I suppose. At this at the end of the day, when you got uh, when you got Vladi Divac running the show, that's going to be like that entire situation is going to be a shit show until you know they figure out um at least they get rid of him but 
anyways, it works out because Buddy Heald brings something that the Lakers need. A guy that could be dependent upon, dependent upon occasionally for volume scoring. He really doesn't like it in Sacramento. He hasn't really, he's been in the doghouse a couple of times. Multiple players don't like it in Sacramento, by the way. Not only Buddy Heald, but Marvin Bagley doesn't like it in Sacramento either. But on top of that, Buddy Heald is kind of expendable with the emergence of Tyrese Halliburton. Kyle Kuzma gets to go back to a place where he's experienced the most success with Luke Walton. He might emerge into that 18 points per game, 19 points per game scorer that he was in the beginning of his career as a rookie. So I think it's a home run for both sides. Laker fans are, I, I know as a Laker fan, like, thank you for your contributions, Kyle Kuzma. You know, I really like rooting for him when we were rebuilding, but I don't think he fits. It's a very awkward fit currently. And he's won a championship, he's blown up his Instagram, and now he can move on to Sacramento where he can get some meaningful minutes. Yeah. As a Pelicans fan, with uh, some of the Lakers picks, send that trade through right now. You want to pay <laughs> Buddy Hill $24 million per year? Do I it. Think, I think his Don't deal actually is, his deal actually goes down per year. Like he makes oh, it goes down to 18. It goes down to 18. You want to pay Buddy 18? Do it. No problems here. You're going to tie up a lot of your cap in Buddy Hill. Uh, I think he's a good player. Not being utilized in Sacramento. It's I'm in a weird spot because I actually think it would help out the Lakers. But at the same time, like from uh to like play the advocate, like you tying up that much cap with Buddy, who is a poor defender, who's not a passer, but you got LeBron, you know, you, you really don't need a passer. But the Lakers still have a concern at point guard. Like, what are you going to do at point guard? If you pay Buddy, are you going to be able to go out and get another competent point guard? Because uh, I'm not sure what your second unit or uh, if you're stagnating, minute, stagnating, minute, stagnating minutes, I'm not sure what your team's going to look like with Buddy Heald and Anthony Davis running the offense. It sure didn't work in New Orleans. No, I'm joking, obviously. You know, Buddy was a rookie. But, uh... Yeah, uh, I love it and I hate it at the same time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'll say, um, I'll say, first of all, this like definitely, like Mike said, it does not work straight up. If Montrose Harrell opts in, then yeah, that would work. Um, so we're, we're just assuming like, let's, I, I guess let's just say like, let's assume that they can make it work trade wise. Um, I definitely agree with, I with Mike in terms of, I think it's a win for both sides. Now, who are you gonna pay point card wise? The thing is this trade doesn't have to go through right away. Like you could find a point guard before this, you know, like, I mean, how much money do the Lakers have in free agency? Um, here, let me pull it up. Because you could sign someone and then pull this trade off later off in the off season. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at the same time, here's the issue. It's not like this year's free agency has a, I don't know, a robust, a robust like point guard market. You know, you have players like Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Dennis Schroeder, Dante Exum, Derrick Rose. Which is why if you tie up money, you're not going to be able to go get a point guard later. Like, if you're Los Angeles, you want to do better than Buddy Heald. Like, I'm sure you're thinking you're going out and getting Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. You know, somebody that really moves the needle. I mean, uh, hmm, like, the Lakers, a need a the Lakers need a third guy. And, you know, I'm not sure Buddy Heald is the third guy for any team 
in in the NBA. You know, no offense. And I know the Lakers are great, and I know they'd have two of the best players in the association running the show. But, you know, I'm not sure I really... I mean, he's not even the third guy for the Kings, really. Like, I mean, I, I guess he might be the third guy for the Kings. But, I mean, like, that that's, that's not great, man. The thing is, Buddy is... Like such a crazy good shooter. Like I would love to, I just want to see him out of Sacramento because like, I mean, the man shoots, uh, I mean, around 40% from three shooting over 10 threes a game. So, I mean, he definitely helps the Lakers a ton in that regard in terms of spot up shooting. I mean, you're right in which you gotta be careful with Kuzma. Cause yeah, I mean, you're giving up that, like, yeah, if you trade Kuzma for Buddy Heald, then you better be damn sure that Buddy Heald is the answer. And, but I also don't see how they would get a guy like Bradley Beal. Like, where's the path to that? Um, so here's another issue. You trade Kuzma and then you have this huge hole at the center. I mean, at the power forward position. And it's not like the power forwards this year are that robust either. I guess maybe like, James Johnson or Kelly Olynyk. James eh. Johnson. Kelly, oh, yeah, no. like, uh, like, nah, like, I mean, James Johnson. Anthony Davis and LeBron James are your power forward. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you need depth. You, you still need depth. Yeah, like. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're, he's talking about like Anthony, a starter. I mean, no, I mean, like Anthony. Da I mean, yeah, I'm talking about depth. You know, you're if, replacing. If AD's a center. Then LeBron's playing power forward. That's what I'm doing for sure next year if I'm the No, I, yeah, I'm not talking about the starting five. I'm talking about like off the bench. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think there are way better potential trades the Lakers can make. Yes. You know, I, ha I have my own pipe dream trades. You know, my biggest one being. Like, All right, wait. I honestly, I, I'm oh, not I sure that there are better. That's here. See, now that this were. I don't think there are how many potential trades are there that the Lakers can make better that much better, honestly. Um, I mean, like, what's your pipe? Because th these pipe dream trades are I'm, what Lakers I mean, fans think are realistic, and the rest of the NBA is going, no, bro, absolutely not. Bro. Also, I cannot wait until the Chicago Bulls sign Taylor Hoyer Tucker away from you guys. Yeah, and you guys might crack the play-in tournament that year, so I'm rooting <laughs> Yo, for you guys. Fire. <laughs> um, but I mean, we're not the large market in the NBA that gets every free. Whoa, 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 whoa! Chicago's not a large Chicago's market. Chicago's a pretty big market, bro. I don't Why, know. We don't, don't get know. free agents. Literally, the Lakers get everyone. You, did, we, we were talking market, bro. That it's a big market, bro. Like, I, yeah, we're also yeah. In, uh, LA with every celebrity and every freaking where everyone wants That's to play. True. Oh, you guys got Kanye West, like... Also, it's, it's also, a, also, you know what? Also, no, 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 I'm gonna... Also, also, Lakers just struggled for, like, 10 years straight, and all Mike does is bitch about, oh, my God, the struggle, the struggle, the struggle. Then suddenly I go, oh, can't wait to say, sign Taylor Horton Tucker, and he goes, oh, yeah, good luck in the play-in tournament. That boy, like, that brother's down bad. And then also, also, you know what? Let's not forget you calling out LeBron James himself. You yeah, going, win me half of playoff basketball Mike, the Mike, year Mike. after he wins you a championship. Flight, I mean, Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, bro. Just take a moment and take in that his offseason dream is Talon Horton Tucker. You don't have to say anything right now. <laughs> my offseason dream is that we somehow keep our pick. That's my offseason dream. That guy's down bad. Like, yeah, that's down bad. Yeah. Yeah. We're fucking, I, I, we are fucked. Oh my God. Um, it could be we, worse. Gonna, it could be worse. I mean, we got Vooch. We got we got uh, Levine. But, you know, I mean, losing that pick, that hurts. That's going to hurt. 
Uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, if I'm the Lakers, there's just so many question marks as to, like, how this offseason could go. You know, like, what's going to happen with Andre Drummond? What's going to happen with Dennis Schroeder? What's going to happen with Alex Caruso? Which I think currently is, like, the only guy that I can actually see us retaining at this point. What? There's so many... Uh, I mean, currently, like, without it sounding like anything yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. You yeah, know? My bad, my bad. Honestly, I think, I'm not going to lie, all right? Like, we, we talked about Kuzma, it's over. The Lakers, we're done for this pod. No joke, no joke. No, we, but too, I, I just, I, I, I got a question. I just want, one, I just one question. One question. <laughs> one question, one question, one question. Do you want to pay Caruso, Mike? Flight Mike? Do you actually, like, want to pay him, like, $15 million per year? Yeah, just yes or no. Honestly, just yes or no. We have to move on. No, not $15 million. Okay, um, all right, Dimitri underscore M3 is, if Damian Lillard were to leave Portland, where's the number one place you'd want him to be and why? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Easy. New York. The Lakers! Woo! New York. Boo, no. Hell, what? Hey, man. Dude, honestly, give the Knicks fans something. Um, all right. They got, they just made the playoffs, bro. Give Pelicans fans something. You said, I mean, who are you giving up for him? What are you talking about? We have like 10 picks. We give up Brandon Ingram for him. Like, what do we do? You give up Brandon like Ingram for him? For Damian Lillard, easy. Okay. I mean, if you give up Brandon Ingram, then congrats. You got him. I think that's, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I think you got him. Here's my thing with the Damian Lillard, um, you know, any trade. I think he's racked up so much like loyalty points, I would say, in Portland, where I don't think they're shipping him. To somewhere like New Orleans or New York or something like that. I think unless he, he wants to go there, unless he wants to go there, yeah, of course. But like, I think he, he like he is probably it's going to be one of those situations where he kind of has a list and they just try to work off that list because if not, like if they did, you know, just cutthroat trade him for like you know to a like the Hornets or something, and like you know that would it be. Would have- I think that would be really, really bad. Like, a, such a bad look for their organization. Like, and players remember that. It would have to be a team that, in my opinion, like, something very similar to the CP3 trade. You know, like, it would have to be a team that is literally a point guard away Pelicans. from contention. You know, so. Whoa. Um, yeah. I, no, I see what you're saying. And, I, and that's why I also think the Pelicans would be in, like, a great spot. I mean, I think Damon Dion, like all like Homerism aside, I think that's enough to get you into contention with the right role players. Um, and the Pelicans have some pretty good role players, you know. So I don't know, you know, they still have Adams, they got Nikhil, they got a uh, Kyra. They just, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I uh, I sense I, a little um, Homer is. Um, I see. What? Maybe well, in I like say, maybe in like two years, dog. But not right who's now. stopping? You know, More, Zion what? basically averaged thirty points per game in his second season. Who's stopping Listen, Damon I Zion? Lo- I love Zion. And I but think but he's who's amazing. stopping a Damon Zion pick and roll? It's impossible okay, to stop. You have to have other players on your team. You just yeah, so Jackson got, Hayes, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Stephen. Solid Adams. player. Like, Stephen. First of all, as soon as you mention Stephen Adams, you're just you're betraying yourself. I I, I don't believe in Stephen, but with uh. On the right team with the right coach, I actually think he could be a solid. A solid you go on the right team, like maintaining himself on. That's funny. I, All right. So um, I so I could see Dame getting traded to the Dallas Mavericks if the package is right for him, or I could get see him getting traded to the Philadelphia 76ers if the Sixers are willing to give mm, up Ben Simmons. That might be. See, that's possible. 
That would be cool. Now, How my question is, do the do do if let's say you did Mavericks or let's say you did Sixers or whatever, it, or if you're the Blazers, you're trying to just blow it up at this point, right? Because you're now you're are, are you doing this a three team deal? You're trying to send Ben Simmons somewhere else and get young guys in return. Because I would take I the Sam, yeah. I, I wouldn't see any Sam point Presti. in taking Ben Simmons, yeah. Exactly. Ben. So I mean, I don't know. I think I, I think I, I I what I'm saying is I think we could see a three team deal coming because I could see like a you know Dame Dame Lillard's value so so high. I mean, tremendously high. So if you trade for someone like that, I the mean, seventy six. Who would want the seventy sixes picks? Like who would want no? Those I picks? do. I don't think I think that's why I think it would be like a Ben Simmons kind of deal where Ben Simmons now goes somewhere else. Young guys get sent over to Portland. So, you know, but you'd rather Ben Simmons in picks than Brandon Ingram in a ton of picks. I'm just saying, like, hypothetically, let's say you're going with like, I don't even know, like what team like, I mean, let's let's say you're building around like a young like. I'm just saying a collection of young talent, I think, would be sent pro- probably in a three-way deal. I, I don't, because I think Dame is, like I said, I think he's going to want to play for a contender for sure. Like, he wants to win a championship. So, if he does leave Portland, which, not saying he is, Portland fans are going to jump down our throats for even mentioning the fact they're going to be like, leave him alone. We never said he was leaving. We literally are answering our question, where would he go if, like, if he were to leave Portland? But I, I think it would be a three-team deal. For one... For one, um, I, I don't want to trade Brandon Ingram honestly at all. I was just that's just me podcasting. Um, oh, but okay. for two, I think the Warriors. I think the Warriors. Could oh, oh, yeah. oh, for, that'd be for, uh, for Dame. Yeah, I Dame think that might be one F, of the best pack. Yeah. That would be so interesting. That would be. That, oh my god, that would be I, so interesting. I think that's like Dame's dream scenario because he's from Oakland too. That would be like, nuts, bro. And the Warriors probably. In my opinion, like they're the number one contender to get any trade target they want this offseason. They can match the salary cap with Andrew Wiggins. If that Timberwolves pick falls to them, then and it looks like it probably will. They could offer that up as well. They could offer James Wiseman. There's like so they could construct a really nice trade package around um around uh, uh, those assets and get yeah, either yeah. Bradley Beal or Dame. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, that's a, a contender. That that would be amazing. Would love to see it. All right. And then third and final question, guys. Also, you know, I tweeted this out. We have a place for you to ask us questions. It's called onlylacedupfans at gmail.com. You know, <laughs> message us there or send us videos. If you send us video questions, you will be featured on the pod. Would love to see it. So our third and final question is going to come from Malik Beastly 25. And he said, scariest team coming into next season. So instead of just scariest, let's go top three scariest. Um, ooh, that's tough. If they're fully healthy, the um, by default, I'm putting the Warriors there. Um, and the Brooklyn Nets, obviously. If, like, We're putting the Warriors healthy. over... No, no, not fully. in any order. I'm I'm going three, two, one. Okay. So I got and, Denver Nuggets. Uh, yeah, actually, that's good. Three being the Warriors. I want you, I want my list to be a little bit different from you. 
<laughs> three being I mean, warriors. I I okay. Let me think. Um, so I'm gonna go. Of course, like you can't just not put the nets. I mean, yeah, like, of course. It's like that's an automatic. <clears throat> so now I've got nuggets, and then I'm gonna go. Hmm. Let me think about this. I'm gonna go. I will. I won't go warriors right now because I just I could definitely see it because I think they'll make a move for sure. Yeah. But I'll wait for that move to happen and then put them there. Just say the Lakers. You know you want to. I honestly am like thinking a little bit Lakers. I think maybe like I mean it depends the off season. That off season depends so much. Um. I mean, just do I what I do. Honestly, see like. I could see the Lakers. I'm going to go with the Lakers. And my reasoning is going to be, I think everybody's Lakers, going to the Lakers. I think that the Lakers are going to go as all in as you can, as whatever they can do to go all in as possible. I think that that's what they're doing next season because they're seeing LeBron be injured. You know, LeBron has been Iron Man, Superman, whatever you want to call him for, you know, his entire career. They've seen him been, been injured. If I were them, I would be going, this is our year to win a championship. Not necessarily well, saying this is their last year. They're going to be in championship contention or, you know, could win a championship or anything like that. But I'm targeting next year as like, let's go all in and let's get us a ring while LeBron is still LeBron. So so I, I have to ask, how will the Lakers be going all in? I want to hear this from your mouth. By trading for Buddy Heald. <laughs> All right, finally, me and Coop can just talk about that fucking Lakers bozo. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you guys say when I'm not on camera. <laughs> Y'all are the worst. <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. Um, you know, I got like, Warriors. I got Warriors, Warriors. Nets. 76ers. You think the 76ers are going to be the same team next year? No, I think they make a move. Daryl Morey super aggressive, especially if they they don't win a chip. If they win a championship this year, they're one of the scariest by default. If they don't, Daryl Morey is like one of the most aggressive GMs I've ever seen. Who's, move, who's going? You think Ben? Who's, you think who's moving? You think who's I, 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 maybe just a bunch of future first. Like, you know, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. They do have young talent too, and Thibault could Thibault could definitely get a bigger role somewhere else. I would um, not. So could Maxi. I would not. Move so him. could Maxi. I know, but you know, it's more we were talking about. Here. I would move Maxi. Is, uh, I would move Maxi. I would be Thibault is like is looking like he could be like one of those you know Tony Allen all defensive team freaking yeah, yeah, eight, yeah, yeah. eight times really, like. So I, really I would move him. have him just work on his jump shot all off season basically, and you know. Get him, you know, shooting thirty eight percent from three, and man, that guy's going to be scary. Perfect I if role we player. Daryl Morey on the pod. I feel like he'd be down. Daryl Morey follows me on Twitter. Yeah, me too. That's why I was saying. Um. Okay. All right. And so there we have it, guys. Again, uh, if you have any questions for any of us, you know, only laced up fans at gmail.com. Or, you know, we could continue to tweet out if we don't have questions. But, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Hit, uh, you know, all of our Twitters, all, all of our social medias, you know, are in this pod. You could see them. So hit us up. Ask us questions. We'll save them for next week's pod. And any final words, guys? Anything you want to say about the playoffs? Anything coming up? 
Bro, did you take a moment to think about like, what if we have a sponsor that wants to reach out to us and you tell them, yeah, you could just reach out to us by going, sending an email to only laced up fans. That's our subscriber email. For lace heads. <laughs> for la no, we can't call them lace heads. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for watching. Remember to subscribe. Remember to check us out. Apple, Spotify, and other than that, Peace.